Hello, BookThinkers family, and welcome to our personal development podcast, BookThinkers Life-Changing Books. During each episode, we interview one of the world's top authors, and as a listener, you can expect to discover new books, new mentors, and new resources that you can use to achieve more and live better. In today's episode, we have the pleasure to welcome Rajiv Kapoor back to the podcast and talk to him about his newest book, AI Made Simple. Rajiv is a best-selling author, three-time CEO, has had several multi-million dollar exits all over the world, has worked as an executive for companies like Dell, is a member of YPO, and is on the board of some high-tech companies where he leads innovative initiatives and strategies. He is also a leadership coach and is on a mission to help everyone he can achieve their dreams. In this episode, you'll learn about how Rajiv got his start in the tech world, about why you should be embracing AI, how not to fall behind in the new world, and about how you can utilize AI to get a leg up in your life and career. If you're wondering where all this AI stuff fits into your life, this episode is for you. Now get ready to learn and enjoy this incredible conversation with Rajiv Kapoor. Rajiv Kapoor, welcome back to the Book Thinkers Life-Changing Books podcast. We are so excited to talk to you about your newest book, AI Made Simple. Now, before we get into the concepts from your book, I would love to back up and ask how a first-generation Indian American in SoCal ended up living in Sioux, Iowa. (laughs) Well, that's a long story. We're going to be here for (laughs) half an hour, but it's actually a pretty good lesson, I think. I talk a little bit about it in the first book. You know, when I when I graduated from when I did my undergrad, I I was looking for internships, and I got an internship working for a company that had an office in Paris and had an office in Sydney, and I went there, did a pretty good job. Then they asked me to go to Sydney, Australia, and help set up a little bit of an office there. And I was 21, 22 years old, whatever however old I was. Came back, did that whole thing. I was gone for three months in, in Paris, gone gone for a couple months in Sydney, came back to LA. You know, was born and raised in LA. And the company was struggling a little bit in terms of what they did on the technology side, because what they did, the, the computer vendors were starting to integrate their technology directly in. So they didn't need them anymore, right? And so my mentor there said, hey, there's this company in, Sioux, in North Sioux City, South Dakota called Gateway 2000. Now, you guys are too young to know how Gateway 2000 is or was, um, but it was a computer company that competed with Dell in a big way. And so the fact they kicked Dell's ass for quite a long time, Dell eventually won out. But ultimately the company was based in North Sioux City, South Dakota. There was no place to live in North Sioux City, South Dakota. So you had to live on the Iowa side of the border. And it was like a 10 minute drive across. And so, you know, my advice to young people all the time is, you know, go to the job, you know, go to the job and pay your dues. And that's what I did. I went to the job, I paid my dues for two years, got recruited to Dell. And then six months into my job at Dell, I met you know, met Michael and I became one of his first executive assistants and the rest is history. And I think part of the reason why I'm now the CEO of my third company is because I actually took that step to go to the job and take that risk and go out and pay my dues. Thank you for like phrasing that, paraphrasing it and everything, because I think that story was super important because I wanted to kind of give our listeners a glimpse of how you first got into technology, which I think is so cool. And um, Nick, if you could, you can ask your, your question that you had. Yeah, well, I was going to say for any 
book thinkers, podcast followers that are are dedicated and listening for a while, you know that Rajiv's been on the show before. And I know in your first book, Rajiv, that you talked a little bit about how AI was going to come in and disrupt business and that from a leadership perspective, we need to start to pay attention to these types of things. And it's a little, using one of your words, prophetic, because here we are two years later and ChatGPT and Bard and everything else has taken over the world. And now every single business owner on the planet is scrambling to understand how they can implement this technology into their businesses, which is, of course, why you've written this book. So do you want to talk a little bit about some of the early clues that you saw maybe and and what's led up to today? Yeah, you know, so in the first book, In Chase Greatness, I talk about, I, I coined this phrase, enlightened leadership, right? And it's about, and it's enlightened leadership for the next generation of disruption. And if you, if you think back, the seeds are always there. Maybe not ChatGPT seeds, but all the other seeds were there, right? Machine learning seeds were there. I had done a lot of work with machine learning. You know, all the predictive analytics pieces were there. The, the growth in data was there. You know, the need to have better processes internally was there. IoT, right? Internet of Things. You know, the connecting of your Google Nest devices to your iPhone or your ring or your ring doorbell to your iPhone. That is AI, right? That's there. Netflix, Spotify. Amazon, all using AI. Hey, hey, you know, hey, hey, Nick, hey, Luke, you like this book, we recommend this book. You watch this show, we recommend this show. That's all using AI. Spotify saying, hey, Rajiv, you like U2, so we've made a custom playlist just for you around U2. That's all AI. So I have a, we have a Tesla, and we have the full self-driving feature on the Tesla. And that thing always, and if I'm driving it by myself, it's always trying to put me in the high, in the carpool lane, but I can't go in the carpool lane because I'm one person. So I break it, I break the, 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 the full surface driving option that says, wait a minute, why'd you stop it? And I said, dude, you're trying to put me in the, in the carpool lane and I'm one person, right? So I'm trying to give me a real-time feedback. So all the breadcrumbs have been there for years, right? Predictive analytics, predictive technologies, you know, it's been there. That's been around in demand forecasting and planning for some time, right? And so you just needed to find a natural evolution. I had no idea ChatGPT was there when I wrote the book. But I did know that AI was going to have a big impact. Robotics, right? You see all the crazy Boston Dynamics things of humanoid robotics doing backflips, right? I mean, you need AI to do that stuff, right? So it's always been around us. It's just never really been widely available to the masses. And then ChatGPT came out, and next thing you know, within a 24-hour period, it became the most widely used product in the history. In history, and some people say, "Oh no, what about Threads?" Look, Threads is fine, but no one uses it anymore. So I still give the crown to ChatGPT. Now, I'm curious, you mentioned your Tesla. So Elon Musk, he's been quoted a couple times uh, that I've seen about like kind of the dangers of AI. And a lot of people are scared by it. I think he said something like, and I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but there's some chance above zero that AI will kill us all. So what do you say to people that are really worried about this technology taking over our world and taking our jobs and everything else? Well, I mean, on the killing front, as long as you're nice to chat GPT and you're saying please and thank you, it's going to remember you, and it will be nice to you when they when the, when the Terminator robots come for you. I think you'll be all right. But we look, I mean, do the same to your book. Thank you, appreciate you. <laughs> so you know, um, look, Elon Musk is a really smart dude, right? I mean, he got, I mean, he's the richest man in the world, and he's right. I mean, you know, unchecked, unfiltered. I mean, sure, it could do a lot of bad things. There's bad AI. There's gonna be bad AI out there, absolutely. But you're gonna need some smart people are gonna have to invent good AI. 
and good AI tools to back check and check the bad AI. That's just going to happen over time, right? You're going to see development of AI in cyber, AI in social governance practices. You're going to see, you know, just AI tools. Remember, this tool's only 10 months old, right? So imagine what the tool's going to look like in two, three, four, five, six years, right? So there's going to be challenges. But when Elon Musk says, oh, we have to slow down development, he's not doing that because he's he's altruistic and he's he's here to think about all of our lives. He's doing it because he's behind the eight ball and he wants to catch up. Because I don't know if you guys know or not, but when OpenAI, the parent company of ChatGPT first formed, it was a nonprofit. And the biggest backer was Elon Musk, right? And so when it went from being a nonprofit to a for-profit business, Elon Musk left because he didn't want it to be a for-profit business, essentially, and I'm paraphrasing, right? I'm sure kind of all crazy stuff happened in Silicon Valley around the whole thing, but then Microsoft stepped in. And so now Microsoft owns 49% of OpenAI, right? And so look, all these billionaires, all these people, they have all this money, they want to do all these things. They're not going to let AI destroy the world because they, they, they earn all this money, they want to spend the money. So I, I don't, yeah, is, is there a chance? Sure. But there's also a chance that war, you know, there's also a chance that we have a couple of wars going on right now. They could go, they, they can spiral out of control and someone could launch a nuke, right? You know, I think there's probably more a chance of that happening than than AI taking over the world and destroying us. So, you know, there's always a chance for everything. Well, I know Luke and I, we both read Elon Musk's uh, new biography by Walter Isaacson, and he talks a lot about some of the things you've mentioned, including that the early days of open AI, as well as the data that Tesla is collecting from people like you in real time and leveraging artificial intelligence to make better decisions. I, I'm sure the days where uh, that car gets you from A to B without any intervention. It's not too far off. So I want to highlight something from this book that I thought was really interesting. The introduction was written by ChatGPT, which I have not seen before. So tell me why you decided to leverage this tool to actually write the introduction for your book. Well, you know, a couple of things. Number one is, so the whole book, the book is, people think, oh, it's a book written by ChatGPT. I think somebody made a comment on the original post, whatever, on BookThinkers. It's not. Yeah, I mean... I figured who better to introduce a book on AI made simple than the tool itself. So I used the tool. It gave me a pretty good answer. I said, okay, let's run with it. And then it's fine. It works. So essentially it's, you know, it's ChatGPT introducing me, right? Introducing the book. And I thought that was pretty cool. And you know, throughout the book, I used examples of ChatGPT and where and you and you can show people of you. But it's pretty spelled out the parts that are written by ChatGPT. And the parts that are written by ChatGPT are me putting in prompts saying, hey, just you know, give me a recipe for XYZ or whatever it might be, right? So, and that's spelled out properly. It's all annotated properly and it's all, yeah, exactly, right? It it shows exactly when that part is. But so that's uh, but that's why I did it. I just felt I also had I also thought it was kind of funny. You know, and you did and, too. <laughs> I also thought it was kind of unique and different. And, you know, and it also kind of sent a message all as well. Right. So, you know, so anyways, that's why I did it. But then the foreword was written by my old boss from Dell. So he, I know he's not AI, even though he used to act like he was an AI robot, but he's not AI. How does, um, how does your old boss from Dell, how does he view AI? Like what's his opinions about it? Is he excited to embrace it or is he oh, yeah, a little yeah. cautious? Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, change the world, you know, 
the, you know, the, the, that guy went off, he went out and ran some major, he was CEO of Lenovo, CEO of Bell Helicopters, CEO of the largest uh, employer in, in Arizona, Avnet, the, 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 the distribution company. So he gets it. He understands. Like ultimately, at the end of the day, AI and using tools like ChatGPT are going to do the one thing money can't do, which is buy time. A normal task that would have taken six hours can now take six minutes. You know, something that would have taken six minutes now takes six seconds, right? So it's buying time. It's designed to make you more efficient, right? You know, it's it's kind of like you, if you think about it, right? It's you know, it, it is probably the greatest impact invention in the history of the world. You know, um, there was, there was a, I think there was a quote from Sundar Panchai, and I think it's in the book. I can't remember now. It's been a while now. But uh, it's uh, where he talks about this can be more important than, than electricity and fire. And I, and I don't think there, I don't think he's wrong. What are some of the ways you think that that value will represent itself uh, in a mainstream way over the next couple of years? Well, just take a look at our podcast, right? I don't know if you saw or not, but Spotify is going to be releasing podcasts in multiple languages. So you'll be able to take this podcast with our words, replicating my voice, your voices, and release it in Spanish, French, German, Hindi, whatever language, Mandarin. You know, and all of a sudden, BookThinker's reach goes from your reach you have today, which is you know primarily a U.S. audience, to global. Right. So that's just one simple example, right, of, of, of potential reach and change. And how, I mean, what would I ask you, Nick? I mean, you, you're, you're the founder and CEO of this business. If all of a sudden you can take your podcast and put them into 10 different languages and send them all over the world, how would that impact your business? Yeah, it would be tremendous. I think today, something like 80% of our listeners are from the United States. And uh, the United States is a very limited example of what this, you know, of what the potential that we have to reach is. So I think that's amazing. I saw a tool the other day that's sort of in beta stages where you could take a video speaking to the camera like this, and it will translate the video and then use some type of AI to, to mimic your mouth speaking that language. So I could be speaking on video in other languages as well, which would be spectacular and instantly at 10 X is your reach, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, so I think I saw the same thing. It's from a company called Hey Gen, H-E-Y-G-E-N, right? And yeah. it can do that today. I mean, they're, they're, they're actively pushing that technology right now. Go look, that, but, that's, but that's pretty cool, right? But the bad news, right, Nick, is that someone can take your voice and your image, replicate it in three seconds, and record a video of you saying the N-word and blah, 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 and whatever, and post that on YouTube. Nothing you can do to stop it. Yeah, that's scary too. And right. I know there's a lot of conversations about deep fakes, like, uh, you know, podcaster number one on the planet, Joe Rogan, he said companies are making six figures faking videos of him promoting their products and then running ads against it. Yeah, they are. In your opinion, is there anything that we can do to mitigate that risk of people copying us as humans and putting us out there as AI? Because like, Nick, he has a bit of leverage i'd say at this point, especially on social media and theoretically somebody could start another account they could mimic his voice and try to grow a business based off of his likeness so what is what is your thoughts around that hello book thinkers family a quick word from today's podcast sponsor today's episode is sponsored by audible 
Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, business, and my favorite, personal development. And as part of Audible's partnership with us, we're actually offering listeners a free 30-day trial. This trial includes one credit, good for any premium selection titles you'd like on the whole platform. So that's pretty much any book, including the one we're talking about today. That book is yours to keep even after the trial is over. Now, this trial also includes access to Audible's plus catalog of podcasts, audiobooks, guided wellness programs, and Audible originals. You can listen all you want, no credits needed. Now, everyone on the BookThinkers Instagram knows that I love physical paper books. There's nothing better than having a book in your hand, scribbling notes everywhere in the margins. I kind of tear those things up. But I've been completing an additional 20 to 30 books every single year using Audible by listening when I'm in the car, doing chores around the house, or while I'm on my morning walks or runs. You could take advantage of this free trial by clicking the link in today's show notes or going to www.bookthinkers.com slash audible trial. You will not regret it. Now back to today's episode. Look, I mean, you're going to just do everything you can to protect yourself legally with all your content, your trademarks, your copyrights. Just make sure you, you dot all your I's and cross your T's there. Make sure you own your domain names. You know, obviously, you know, um, you know, lukegifford.com if you don't, you know, whatever, right? Or, you know, and so it could be Nick, it could be Chandler, it could be whomever, right? Just oh, oh, try to own your domain name, try to own your social media handles, you know, maybe, you know put, put a stake in the ground, right? Um, you know, and so and just set up Google alerts for your name, right? You know, it's a good actionable tip. I haven't done that yet. You know, set up a Google alert for your name. Oh, what's this? And then Nick is talking in, you know, and Nick is at a pro MAGA rally or whatever. What, what, what's going on? You know, you know, so it's, you know, so you want to just make sure you find ways. I mean, right now, those are really the best things you could do. You just kind of, you're going to be a little bit on the defensive, but look, I think number one, I, here's the thing. At some point, OpenAI goes public and I think they're the next trillion dollar company. In fact, they may become the world's biggest company. Number one. Number two is there's going to be the companies that figure out the right level of data, AI data security, how to deal with deep fakes, real, unreal, real, real live, like, you know, fact checking the, all the, I mean, like every, every video goes on YouTube should run through some sort of AI deep fake detection at some point in the future, right? And Google's got technology, I'm sure they could figure out how to do it, right? And so whether it's on Twitter, X or Facebook or Instagram, whatever, right? There's going to, you know, the, the, the next person who develops some sort of deep fake detection, clarity, deleter product, I think that's going to be a, that's probably going to be the next trillion dollar company as well. So I think that's a huge market, huge opportunity. I know that you do quite a bit of speaking on this topic. So we've covered some of the potential consequences of AI and, and how it might negatively impact business. But like you just highlighted, there's a lot of opportunity. And I know that as a member of YPO and some of the speaking that you're doing today, you're helping business owners become more aware of how they can leverage this technology in a positive way. So what are some of the things that you're speaking about today? I mean, are you open to getting hired by somebody in the audience who wants to learn more about integrating AI? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Thank you. So yeah, I do a lot of talks to wipe to, to companies, not necessarily YPO companies, Y YPO companies, Vistage companies, EO companies, whatever chief, but, you know, companies by chief, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be part of an organization to, to hire me. 
but I've done since the middle of September through the end of the year, I would have booked 18 companies. I would have done five YPO chapters. And for those of you who don't know, YPO is a global organization of, of young presidents. I'm not young anymore, but I joined it when I was younger. And so, uh, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, I would have talked to five chapters and, you know, three smaller groups as well. So, you know, I am starting to charge, I mean, I, originally I was kind of doing them for free, but now it just it takes up a lot of time to start to charge for it a little bit. Uh, and I've got two big keynotes coming up. I actually have one keynote on Thursday and I have one in, uh, on November 14th in Orlando. So I'm excited about that one in front of 1,400 people, all a bunch of uh, computer nerds like, like myself. But yeah, I mean, if somebody's interested and they want somebody for <clears throat> as a keynote speaker to come and talk about AI or do an audience Q&A or do a fireside chat or come speak to their company, whether it's virtually or in person, happy to do it. And they can just send an email to requestrajeev at gmail.com. So that's R-A-J-E-E-V. I'm sure you guys can put that in the show notes, but requestrajeev at gmail.com and happy to do what I can to help. I will make mention to everybody in the book thinkers audience that as a business, we are going to sit down with Rajiv sometime soon and do a deep dive. I think it's a two hour session, Rajiv, on how uh, we could start to leverage AI because here's the thing, and I'll be a little vulnerable. I don't want to get left behind. I know it's a competitive advantage for us to be leveraging these tools. And I know today we're not. So it, it's leveraging somebody like you to get more out of our existing business and grow faster, but also just stay competitive. That's kind of what I'm worried about right now. So yeah, so the four key takeaways, Nick, are going to be be curious, not judgmental. So for you Ted Lasso fans, that's the main quote from Ted Lasso, right? Such a at, great show. At, at the dark scene, right? When we're showing the darts. And so, but that's correct here. Be curious. Don't be judgmental on the tools. Use the tools. You want to F around and find out. This is the best time to F around and find out with these tools, number one. Number two is don't worry about the word artificial. Focus on the word augmenting, enhancing, enhancing intelligence, augmenting intelligence. The way the calculator augmented and enhanced our math skills, think of the way, think of these tools now enhancing our overall skills across all aspects of our life. Third thing to remember is if you're the CEO and owner of a company, most companies fail not because they do the wrong thing, they fail because they did the right thing for too long. And so, and that leads me to my fourth point, which is kind of to your piece, which is companies that and people that don't use AI in the future, let's say in the next 12 to 18 months, you will be replaced by people who do, period. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I, I, I can't guarantee that AI is not going to take over the world, but I can guarantee that if you don't figure out, you guys at Book Thinkers or any other company listening or anybody listening, if you don't figure out how to start using AI in your business, by the way, you don't have to be experts overnight. I just want to do small things. Maybe it's writing your Instagram post. Maybe it's writing a press release. Maybe it's you know writing a little a job post in, in ChatGPT. Maybe it's writing a tweet, have ChatGPT write you a tweet. Maybe it's coming up with a list of keywords for your website. Whatever it might be, something small. Just start small. Start using the tool. <clears throat> and it doesn't have to just be for business. You know, maybe you want to learn how to play a play the piano, play the keyboard. Ask ChatGPT to give you a plan. Right? <clears throat> maybe you want to figure out how to uh, maybe you want to go on a vacation or a trip and you want to do a seven-day family vacation to the Galapagos. You have ChatGPT give you the plan and the itinerary, right? So that's kind of where we are. And I think if you start using it, you'll be fine. 
What are some of the the practical ways companies can start integrating AI into their businesses today? Look, I, I think it depends company to company, right? I think you've got situations where you have people who are um, just maybe wanted to write simple marketing copy, newsletters, some sales material, emails, um, fine. Write, write a job description for a job post, right? Create social media posts for me. It's simple stuff, right? Before you get into the advanced world of, hey, I need you to do brainstorm with me and help me come up with a new game-changing product, right? So I, th I think there, there's a whole slew of things you can do, but just start small and use it for simple stuff, you know? Play around with it. Just start playing around with the tool. Just start playing. Yeah, well, uh, there might be a, an AI-generated book review up there for you tomorrow. So we'll see. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think it's going to be there yet, right? Because, you know, it's got to get trained on what's out there, right? And so ChatGPT has a limitation of, data through December of 2021, right? The 2021. So, you know, we're writing, a, unless you take the entire PDF of the book report of the book, which you don't have, upload it into ChatGPT and say, hey, write me a review on this. You know, it's not going to happen. But yeah, I mean, over time, sure. Five years from now, just like there's cliff notes, ChatGPT will give you a cliff note summary of any book you want. Well, it's great that you're making this approachable for people. I think it's important, like you said, you just be curious. It's enhancing what you do. There is a little bit of a risk, which you said, I think it's kind of the mic drop moment today, which is that AI is not going to come in and completely replace everything, but it will replace your job if you don't pay attention to it. Um, it will replace some of the tasks that you're doing. So get curious, like play around with these things. That's, that's sort of the take home today. Yep, 100%. So for our listeners that are like, okay, yeah, this all sounds sounds well and good. AI's here. Everyone's talking about it. I get it. But it's just, it's just a fad. What do you say to those people that have that attitude towards AI? Because I have a, I have a lot of friends. I mean, I, I really like AI and I think it's an amazing technology and I'm talking about it all the time. I know very little about it. I'm learning more. And I get that pushback a lot, like, oh, it's just a fad. It's not really anything. It's just the internet. So what do you say to those people that are taking that approach to AI? What do you think people used to say when Amazon first launched? Who's going to buy a book online? It's Mike just drop. a fad. You know, oh, Dell computer. Who's going to mail order a computer for themselves? I mean, those people can very well look at this as a fad but they're the ones who are going to be calling you in a year saying, uh, what do I do? I just lost my job. So was the iPhone when it first launched, what can you do with this thing? There were no apps for it. Very few. Well, now look at it. Right. I mean, I can run my entire company on this thing. I do. I, I do. In fact, I, I have done everything. I've done everything on this phone except run my board meetings on it everything else I've done on it. So, you know, you know, you know if, if Henry Ford asked his customers what they wanted when he, when he invented the car, he they would have told them they wanted faster horses, right? So, you know. I love that, I love that answer. And that's often what I'm saying to my friends too. 
but um, I don't have the authority that you have to, to talk well, about it. But now I about social it. media, right? Oh, privacy, you know, oh, what is this Facebook thing? Well, even though we had MySpace before, right? Oh, Facebook, okay. Oh, what? Snapchat, Twitter, I mean, Snapchat, Twitter. Oh, why does Snapchat like this? Oh, because of private messages and they disappear, blah, blah, blah. Everybody thought that social media was going to be somewhat of a fad, right? Oh, it's privacy. I don't want to show my information. People are going to think about me. Yeah, older generations think that way, but the younger generations coming up didn't think that way, right? The younger generations that drove the adoption of social media. Social media was a bottoms-up phenomenon. AI implementation is going to be a top-down phenomenon. It's going to have to come from the CEO level. Yeah, I think you make a great point there with the younger generation. It's interesting because um, my kids, I have a seven-year-old, five-year-old, and two-year-old, and uh, my son, he knows ChatGPT already because I use it quite often, and he'll come up with some fun story, and he's like, hey, dad, can you put it into ChatGPT and make it like more into a book or something like that? And it's always a lot of fun, so I think he's he just embraces it, and it's going to be very normal for him. So I'm curious, you know, you have you have two sons, right? Two boys, yeah. Two boys. What are you teaching them and what are you telling, how are you talking about AI with them? Are you trying to encourage them to get jobs in, in the technology world or what is your your conversations with them? Yeah, look, my older son's going to be going into investment banking, so he's kind of already set. My younger son is doing business, business technology and innovation as a major, right? And so, but they know how to use ChatGPT and they've been using some of the tools already. As I remember the day that ChatGPT launched. I called my youngest son, who was in Miami at the time. Well, he still is in Miami. He's going to University of Miami. I said, hey, have you heard of this? He goes, oh, yeah, dad, he's using it. And that was like a, three hours after the tool was announced. And then I called my older son. I go, using it? Oh, yeah, dad, I'm in the library. Everybody's using it, right? So it already gone, spread like virus, like a virus all around, you know, the universities, right? We were like wildfires. So, you know, it's it's definitely um, a, a pretty, pretty awesome uh, development. So the younger generation is embracing it. Look. You know, if you think of it this way, right? You know, if, if you're an influencer and you can put out know, four posts a day using ChatGPT and Canva and these plugins that go along with it, you can put out 12 posts a day, right? Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. I was um, curious what your take is on this. This is out of left field, but I was listening to a conversation this morning where uh, a guest on a podcast was talking about how I think it was the 1850s, whale oil got replaced by petroleum. And it was the number one sort of like most sacred resource on the planet. And overnight, the whaling industry got shut down and it was no longer relevant. And then you think about resources like, uh, you know, horses in New York City. You mentioned Henry Ford. In the early 1900s, everybody had a horse. And uh, now there are probably zero horses in New York City. <laughs> And then you think about cobalt, unfortunately, you know, that's being mined in a terrible way, I think, all over the planet right now. But that wasn't even a, a resource 20 years ago that we even thought about, but it's in all of our phones and stuff now. So what resources do you think will become obsolete? Have you thought anything about that? Like what resources will become obsolete over the next 10, 20, 30 years? You know, I have, and I don't know if it's necessarily resources as opposed to potentially industries, mm. right? So, you know, I think about the legal profession. I think you're probably going to enter a time when you may not need as many paralegals anymore because ChatGPT and, and AI legal tools will become your paralegal, right? So I don't think you're ever going to see a world where it, it's 100% gone. You know, 
But if you have, if you're a large law firm and you have 50 paralegals, you might only need five. You know, um, you know, if you look at the, the strike that just happened in Hollywood, you know, it was all over a lot. The big issue was AI. You know, now they're fine for the next three years. The actor strike is still going on. Why is the actor strike going on? Because of image, right? They don't, you know, because they can scan all three of our faces and put us in any movie, never pay us a dime, right? So I think you're going to see over time, whole industries get impacted and changed. You yeah, know? I think so too. You know? I mean, that, that's what I think. I think if AI were to really work, and be a home run, I think you're going to see ma massive change to the healthcare industry. You know, creativity is going to explode. Fighting climate change with AI is going to be important. You know, I, you know, I'll be, and I think, and I'm one of those people who think that Google really effed up, really effed up. And I don't know if you guys know or not, but Google wrote the paper that, that ChatGPT is based on. So back in 2017, they wrote the first LLM paper, that which which basically detailed how to train the chat what eventually become what what has eventually become the ChatGPT and Bard algorithms, right? And so Google wrote the paper, but they didn't do anything with it. But they had DeepMind and uh, you know and all these businesses you know within Google, but they just never productized it. And OpenAI, once it figured out, you know, once it took the paper, it, it had, it was basically the holy grail of this whole thing. They figured it out. And, you know, the way it works, the way it's trained is, you know, you got all those books on your guys' bookshelf. Imagine if you have 100 people walking up to those bookshelves, each person taking an individual book and start reading it. Well, as you're reading your book, you're learning what, what the other 99 people are reading at the same time. And that's how it got trained. And that's basically what Google had developed, but they didn't monetize it. So now they're playing catch up. And I think, there's something to first mover advantage. And, you know, I think they're going to, I think, um, I don't think it'll go away, but I think there's going to be some challenging times. Yeah, I think so too. <clears throat> Our video editor uh, at BookThinkers, Blake, he's uh, he's always using ChatGPT and Bard and kind of looking for captions on social media, video ideas when we go out and film with authors. And he's a bigger fan of Bard, I think, than ChatGPT. But you're right. I, I think that uh, there is an advantage. I think the first mover's advantage is real. Okay, final question for me. For somebody that's listened to today's conversation, they're like, okay, this guy's a thought leader. Clearly AI is important, but I don't need to read the book. Why do you think people need to read this book, AI Made Simple? What's the primary value that somebody's going to get from choosing to read it? You know, I wrote this book so my mom could understand it. And this technology is so crazy advanced. It is so scary to so many people. My goal was to boil this down and just make it really, really simple. And when I published the book, it was already a little obsolete because the way the technology is moving so fast that we're gonna start working on a second edition here. I'm gonna start working on a second edition probably in January or February. But man, if you just want something small, easy to read, just that's non-threatening, that tells both sides of the story, because I talk about the challenges as well. I don't sugarcoat the challenges in the book. That this is it, just something simple. And that's the reason why it's called AI Made Simple. And it's really a beginner's guide. I mean, I couldn't call the book AI for dummies for obvious reasons. So 
hence the title. And if you just want something simple to embrace and just start with the process, it's an easy read. And there's plenty of examples in there for you to try. Yeah, well, I think that's so wise. And I'm so glad that you uh, took the time to put this book out there because, you know, even like the people that I know, even of my generation, my younger generation, like even these people are kind of scared of this technology. So I think it's gonna be really cool to start gifting this book out and showing people just the power of AI and what's what's available to them. So I definitely appreciate your time in, in writing this book. Uh, my final question, as long as you think you don't have anything else, you said that was your final question, I think, but I couldn't, okay, all right. <laughs> I was like, did I make that up? All right, so my final question that I like to ask all our guests is this. You pass away and all the courses, materials, books, coaching, whatever you, all the services that you have disappear, but you can leave the world with a single piece of advice. What would that be? Now, you guys got to warn me about this stuff ahead of time. <laughs> you have a really good, you know, uh, uh, logical answer. Now, I'll tell you this, like, I think the meaning of life is to, is to do everything you can to honor other people's dreams. Mm. And I think if you do that and you can leave a legacy that way. I think that, but then you, then you've done a good job. That gave me goosebumps. <laughs> I love that. All right. Well, Rajiv, I think the other piece of advice is that the Celtics suck. Go Lakers. <laughs> yeah. Well, good thing. Luke's not in Boston. He doesn't care. You know what? I'll tell you what, I've just started wearing a pair of Jason Tatum's when I play basketball on Thursdays and Mondays and they work well. I'm just saying they work well. Well, you haven't put on the new LeBron special AI Nike shoes yet. So yeah, then, that, that's probably why I'm not dunking. <laughs> I love it. Well, Rajiv, this conversation has been so much fun. Um, I've loved getting to know you a little bit more. I was super excited to talk to you about all this cool stuff. AI is an incredible technology that we all should embrace. Um, and your book is a great place to start with that. So for our listeners, where can they find out more about you and where can they find your book? Well, I mean, I mean, the book's available all over Amazon, right? And so I think that's probably the best place, whether it's the Kindle version or the paperback version, it's there. The book continues to do well. I checked the other day, it's still number one in computer literacy. So it's been a bestseller for the last two months. It was a bestseller for the month it was on pre-order and it's still a bestseller. So that's exciting now for, for a month later. So uh, that that's the best, best great place to go get it. Uh, someone wants to connect with me, obviously on LinkedIn. Unfortunately, Rajiv Kapoor is like, you know, Steve Smith in India. So you got to make sure you find the right Rajiv Kapoor. So you want to find Rajiv Kapoor and with the pretty one, the pretty guy that looks like me, that's me and, and CEO of 1105 Media and, you know, you'll, 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 you'll see it. Uh, and then uh, Instagram, you know, I'm not, I'm not much of a Facebook guy anymore. And, and I'm not much of, much of a Twitter guy anymore either. So, but I've been doing a little bit more on Instagram and, my Instagram handle is at the Rajiv Kapoor. So yeah, I mean, people can find me. I'm around. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Yep. You bet guys. Appreciate it. That is a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Book Thinkers, Life-Changing Books. It would mean the world to us if you could write a review and share this episode with a few of your friends. I mean, these books truly have the power to change people's lives. And by reviewing or sharing our podcast, you're helping us make an impact. If you have any recommendations for future guests or any constructive feedback for us on how we can improve our show, please feel free to submit a form on our website, 
www.bookthinkers.com or send us a direct message on Instagram at bookthinkers. With that, I am signing off and I hope you have a wonderful day. Don't forget, go read something. Oh, 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 oh